Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, or NAFLD, is on the rise in children. So what is it? Why is this happening? And what can be done to treat it? We're going to cover all of that as we sound the alarm about fatty liver disease in children. This is Pediatric Insights, Advances in Innovations with Children's Health, where we explore the latest in pediatric care and research. I'm Bill Klaproth, and with me is our experts, Dr. Sharina Ramirez, pediatric gastroenterologist at Children's Health and associate professor at UT Southwestern, and Dr. Isabel Rojas, pediatric gastroenterologist at Children's Health and assistant professor at UT Southwestern. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. Dr. Ramirez, let's start with you. So what is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, or NAFLD, and then what is non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, or NASH? Okay, so uh, NAFLD is the inclusive term that encompasses the full spectrum of the disease, so we call it an umbrella term, Um, and it's subdivided into four different categories, and so underneath that includes just NAFL or NAFL, which is just theatosis, and that's what happens when there's more than 5% of the affected hepatocytes that contain fat, and the fat that's accumulated within the liver is called triglycerides. So NASH is then the next step in this disease process where there's fat present as well as evidence of inflammation and also injury to the hepatocytes such as ballooning. And that's the progressive form and that's known as non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. And then from there, it'll continue to progress to fibrosis and eventually cirrhosis and perhaps even a liver transplant. So NAFLD is the umbrella term, and that's what we use when we say, okay, this person has fatty liver disease, but then underneath that, then we can categorize whether they have just simple steatosis, which is if you stay within that phase, then that's really not dangerous. But then if you have the progressive form, which can occur in about 30% of that population, then that's the one that becomes dangerous. And that will then lead on to fibrosis and scarring, then cirrhosis, and sometimes in rare cases, hepatocellular carcinoma. So, Dr. Rojas, why then is NAFLD on the rise in children and what causes it? Yeah, well, unfortunately, and nowadays we have seen that obesity in children is on the rise. And that is the most significantly uh, risk factor for the development of NAFLD. Um, NAFLD itself is more like a widespread and underlying metabolic uh, dysfunction uh, that is strongly associated with some metabolic risk factors. And those include the insulin resistance, dyslipidemia, cardiovascular disease, and as I said before, obesity. So we see uh, patients as young as uh, two uh, years old that have been documented before, but usually these patients present around 10 years of age and they are diagnosed uh, mainly between 11 and 13 years old. Uh, we start uh, this patient screening these patients with ALT, and that is one of the liver enzymes. And then depending on the, how they are doing on the numbers, so we continue the workup testing uh, to make sure the patients are not falling in any other uh, liver disease. But unfortunately, this is the most prevalent chronic liver disease in children nowadays. 
Wow, that is an amazing stat. You see this as early as two years old, with most being diagnosed between 11 and 13. So, Dr. Ramirez, what are the dangers of this then? So, the dangers are twofold. One is uh, NAFLD is what you call like an entry-level disease into metabolic syndrome, which what Dr. Rojas said, that includes type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular problems, hypertension. And so when you have a patient that has fatty liver disease, if their weight is not controlled, then their next step is typically type 2 diabetes. And then after that, hypertension, dyslipidemia, some of them will have sleep apnea, as well as reflux and depression. So there's a lot of other comorbidities that go along with having fatty liver disease. And so that's the first part of it. Now, the second part is that if the fatty liver disease is not corrected early on, then it will progress like we talked about into NASH. So these patients are the ones that are in danger of having fibrosis and cirrhosis. And as children and adolescents, it's not that bad because they typically don't have symptoms, so they don't feel that they're sick. However, as they become adults, then it becomes a big problem because right now, um, NASH is the leading indication for liver transplantation among women. And it's the second cause of liver transplantation among men. And that changed in around between 2016 and 2018. And, and so those are the two big dangers is that the comorbidities that exist with it once if it's not controlled, and then the danger of needing a liver transplant and even developing liver cancer. Well, you certainly don't want this to progress and then develop those comorbidities. So, Dr. Rojas, can this be reversed? And if so, how? Yeah, fortunately, yeah, this can be reversed. And the liver is one of the few organs that regenerates by itself. So, changes in lifestyle modifications following a healthy diet, um, low in fat and carbohydrates. That is very important. Not forget about the carbohydrates. And exercise, almost like everyday exercise, can reverse the disease. So this is important also to work with the dietitian to help the patients to have a good plan for the healthy diet. And because, as I said before, this can be reversed. That is really good news, and I'm glad to hear that. So, Dr. Ramirez, what can medical providers do to stay aware and vigilant about this? So right now, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that cholesterol be checked between ages 9 to 11. And recently, our own North American Pediatric Society for Gastroenterology, Hepatology, and Nutrition called NASPAGAN has made recommendations to also start screening patients who have a body mass index of 85% or more with risk factors or body mass index of 95% or more, and you can screen with just an ALT, which is a simple blood work that can be tagged on to what the American Academy of Pediatrics already recommends. Of course, if there's family history of fatty liver disease, you know, the body mass index is important as a cutoff, but if you have someone who has a body mass index of close to 85%, but you know that they have fatty liver disease in the family, it may be a good idea to go ahead and screen those children as well. 
there's a small portion, about 8% of adolescents that can develop fatty liver disease who are lean, um, but their, their blood work is very similar to patients who are obese with high LDL, which is the bad cholesterol, and low HDL, which is the good cholesterol, and they also have fatty liver disease. So trying to identify the patients, at least at the time when they have screening labs, is really a good chance for um, the pediatrician to be able to start providing intervention. Because the younger you are, when you provide intervention, the more responsive. And then like Dr. Rojas says, it's reversible. So if you can approach them you know, the earlier age, the better, just because then their um, eating habits can change because the main thing about this is really behavioral changes. You know, it's easy for us as providers to be able to tell them, hey, you know, don't drink as much juice, don't drink soda, start moving around more. But for them to really enact it, they have to be motivated. The family has to be motivated. And so that's one of the big things for this to be successful in treating the patients is getting your patient and the family to buy in. And as medical providers, I think it's really important to not scold the patient or the families because they already feel guilty, right? They already know, they've been told by so many different providers, like, you are, you know, your child is obese, it's because it's your fault. But rather than approaching it that way, teaming up with the family and with their children is going to probably have a better effect. I think as human beings, we tend to respond better to positive feedback. So it sounds like it's safe to say finding this early is crucial in reversing this before it turns into NASH. Is that correct? That's right. And so, you know, in our patient population in Texas, fortunately, we have not had to transplant anybody with fatty liver disease, but there are other areas in the nation, like in San Diego, where they picked up patients in their teens that have had progressive disease and who have needed liver transplants. And as we wrap up, Dr. Rojas, what are we doing at Children's Health to stay aware and vigilant about this? Well, here at Children's Health, we have a multidisciplinary team that includes uh, physicians, uh, the gastroenterologists, uh, uh, Dr. Ramirez and, and myself, uh, also including dietitians and uh, psychology support. And we also have uh, the different uh, modalities for diagnosis and follow-up for these patients. Uh, start with the lab work that we need in the beginning and then running through the liver biopsy that can be done by interventional radiology or we have now the opportunity to do it endoscopically where the patient doesn't have like um, scars or anything in the body is is inside. And the addition now of the MRI and the ultrasound with the elastography that help us to assess if the liver is is getting more damage, is becoming more fibrotic to the point that at the end of Dr. Ramirez was saying, develop cirrhosis. So those are the modalities that now we have here at Children's Health to help uh, the kids with this disease. And I just want to add in addition to the other thing that we're doing it here at Children's Health is Children's Health has teamed up with the YMCA to develop the Get Up and Go program. That's been in existence for several years, but this year the YMCA has received extra funding and have partnered with other companies so that this program could be more successful. And so it's a 10-week program where families and their children go and they get a complimentary YMCA membership during that 10-week program, but then they also learn 
how to eat healthy, exercise, and it's offered in both Spanish and English, and it's in various locations in the different YMCAs. The second part is that there is a bariatric program that's there. So if weight loss is not achieved or healthy eating and exercise does not help the patient out because they're really struggling and we've used our psychologist, we've and our dietitian, then bariatric surgery is available. And Dr. Qureshi is the bariatric surgeon who leads that team. And then during the summer, um, we offer Camp Ka'ana, which is another partnership between Children's and the YMCA, where they have children who are obese, so not necessarily just having fatty liver, but obese children between the ages of 10 and 14 can go there and have a two-week camp where they learn to eat healthy, and they also learn to order like a 500-calorie meal if you go to some fast food chain. And then they also do fun activities that you typically do during the summertime. Well, those are really great programs that uh, we all should know about. So thanks for sharing those. And Dr. Ramirez and Dr. Rojas, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Oh, no, my pleasure. Thank you. That's Dr. Sharina Ramirez and Dr. Isabel Rojas. And thank you for listening to Pediatric Insights. For more information, please visit children's.com slash fatty liver. That's children's.com slash fatty liver. And if you found this podcast helpful, please rate and review or share the episode. And please follow Children's Health on your social channels. This is Pediatric Insights, Advances and Innovations with Children's Health. Thanks for listening.